Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for showing us such mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that we can now be declared righteous in your sight. Uh, we pray that you'll now teach us through your word that we may know how to respond rightly to your mercy in a manner that glorifies you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what difference should the gospel make in the Christian life? What difference should the gospel make in the Christian life? Uh, it's very easy to be a Christian only in name, uh, to consider ourselves Christian because we grew up in a Christian family or we state Christian as our religion on our IC or because we go to church regularly. Uh, we may do many Christian things like attending Christian fellowship or attending church, but our everyday life is not really very different to the world around us. Our primary concern is still our marks and our careers. We spend our time on our own happiness and pleasures, and we give little, little thought to what a Christ-honouring life may look like. Well, our topic this evening is what now? We're thinking about what difference the gospel ought to make in the Christian life. The great uh, reformer John Calvin, he once said this, we're saved by faith alone, but saving faith is never alone. We're saved by faith alone, but saving faith is never alone. What he meant was that the grace of God that saves us should also transform our lives. So while we're not saved by the good things that we do, the gospel should bear fruit in our lives. Well, let's consider this evening what difference the gospel makes. Firstly, in response to the gospel, we offer our lives as a living sacrifice. Paul writes this in Romans 12 verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, whenever you see that word, therefore, in the Bible, we need to ask, what is it therefore? And in Romans chapters 1 to 11, Paul has spent 11 long chapters dwelling on the mercy of God that he has shown us in Jesus Christ. It's summarized very well in Romans chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. He writes, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So that verse is, is telling us that each one of us has rejected God's rightful rule over our lives. Perhaps we have done it by ignoring him or perhaps by worshipping something else like money or our studies, perhaps by embracing another religion or by willfully disobeying his word. But either way, we have all sinned. And since God is our creator who is worthy of all glory and honour and praise, our sin is worthy of eternal judgment. We deserve to face the wrath of God, eternally separated from the presence of God and the blessing of God forever. But God in his mercy has provided us with a way to escape. God sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us on the cross. On the cross, 
Christ took that punishment that we deserve. He bore the wrath of God in our place. He did it so that we might be justified. That means that we can be declared righteous before him, not guilty in his sight. God has shown us such abundant mercy. And in response to God's mercy, we now owe him our lives. Again, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You see, if Jesus gave everything for us, if he has redeemed us from, from uh, death and from hell, then all of our life exists for his service. As the preacher William Taylor puts it, our worship is to be 24-7 and 360 degrees. We worship him not only when we're at church on Sunday, but on Monday when we're on campus, Tuesday when we're at work. We worship him in our cars. We worship him in our homes. We worship him as we surf the internet. We worship him in how we speak and how we act. We worship him in how we relate to the governing authorities. We worship him with our time and our money, with our priorities and our plans. All that we are and all that we have is to be used in the worship of God. See, you and I need to be reminded again and again, Jesus doesn't owe you anything. We owe Jesus everything. We are to offer our lives as a living sacrifice. Now, it is vivid imagery, isn't it? Because a, a sacrifice, by definition, is, is dead, slaughtered. A living sacrifice, it sounds like a contradiction. But what Paul means here is that if you are a Christian, your old life is over. It is as good as dead, so that your new life may now be offered to God 24-7, 360 five days a year. Well, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, living for Christ will mean that your life is radically different to the world around you. You will no longer chase what the world chases, careers, uh, and power and money and reputation and security. Rather, we will seek to live out the will of God. We will seek the glory of God. We will proclaim the kingdom of God. And, and Romans chapters 12 to 16 will flesh out in, in detail what this looks like. Uh, it, it will mean using our gifts to serve. It will mean loving our enemies. It will mean submitting to the governing authorities. It will mean welcoming the weak. It will mean supporting the spread of the gospel. We have time just to pick up a few of those points briefly. Point two, in response to the gospel, we use our gifts to serve others. In response to the gospel, we use our gifts to serve others. Others. Paul writes in verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, 
Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith is service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. See, service of others is to be a key mark of the person who has grasped the grace of God. If we've truly appreciated how Jesus has served us, then in response to the gospel, we will serve others. See, Christians serve not because we are forced to, not because we're asked to, not to save face, not to earn approval. We serve with sincerity, with genuineness, with generosity, as a willing response to what God has done. For us, it's worth reflecting. Are you using the gifts you have to serve Jesus Christ? I think oftentimes we hold back from serving because it's not comfortable uh, or it's not convenient or perhaps because other things are more important to us. But if we've truly grasped the gospel and realized that our life is not our own anymore, we will use whatever we have to serve others. And as we use our gifts to serve, we, we won't think that we're somehow better than other people. Verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Uh, Paul is saying, that the gospel should bring about a profound humility in our lives. We are to recognize everything that we have is a gift of God, not only our salvation, but also our gifts. We're not better than other Christians because we have certain gifts or we can contribute to the church in certain ways. We are all sinners saved by grace. And all our gifts are just that. They are gifts given that we might serve one another. That's point two. In response to the gospel, we use our gifts to serve others. Well, finally, in response to the gospel, we live in love. In response to the gospel, we live in love. The command to love really sums up the Christian life. We are called to love God and to love our neighbour. And part of the way that we show our love for God is in the way that we treat one another. So Paul says in verse 9, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. See, the Christian who has experienced the love of God should respond in love for other Christians around them. And in those verses, we see our love must be genuine. Uh, we don't, not simply a duty. Our love is to be moral. We don't simply do what people want us to do. 
Our love is to be wholehearted, never lazy, but striving with all of our strength. Our love is to be patient. We are to persevere in the good times and in the bad. Our love is to be generous, meeting the needs of others, even above our own. The Christian who has experienced the love of God will have this genuine, moral, wholehearted, patient and generous love for others. It's worth taking some time to think and pray. How can I be loving those around me? How can I be loving them, loving my family? How can I be loving my church, my fellow Christians? How would I live differently if I genuinely cared for the needs of others? Now notice, love for Christians is not enough. If we've truly grasped the gospel, our love will go deeper because God loved us even when we were sinners, even while we were his enemies. And so if we've grasped the gospel, we won't simply love our friends. We will love our enemies too. Verse 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. About a year ago, I saw a wonderful example of this. There was a lady who was taken to court for murder. Uh, The victim's brother was a Christian. And as the guilty verdict was handed down by the judge, the brother of the deceased pleaded with the judge. He said, please let me give her a hug and tell her that I forgive her for murdering my brother. And so he did. He was a man who truly understood the gospel. What about us? How do you respond? when you're mistreated as a Christian? Do you respond with love or revenge? Well, how we respond is a very good indicator of how well we have uh, understood the gospel of grace. Verse 17 says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honourable in the sight of of all. As Christians, we don't try to get even. We follow God's example. We show mercy, we show honour, we we overcome evil with good. We trust that God will set things right in the end and we don't take it into our own hands. Verse 19 uh, continues, Beloved, never avenge yourselves. But leave it to the wrath of God, for its written vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, overcome evil with good. You see, if we've truly experienced the mercy of God, that he will love us even when we were sinners, we will show that same love even to our enemies. It will be very hard on many occasions. And of course, the most loving thing that we can do for a non-Christian is to share with them the hope of the gospel. We can pray that God may use us to bring that person who's hurting us to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Well, today we've considered the difference that the gospel ought to make in our lives as Christians. We've seen that being a Christian is not just about saying a sinner's prayer and then continuing on in life like the world around us. In response to the gospel, we offer our lives as a living sacrifice. We recognize that our life now belongs to Jesus. In response to the gospel, we use our gifts to serve others. We do so with humility and with generosity. And in response to the gospel, we live in love, not only for other Christians, but even for our enemies. Well, what now? Will you live out the gospel? Will you give your whole life in God's service 24-7, 360 degrees? In response to God's mercy, will you love him and love others? Let's pray. Now, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you loved us even when we were sinners. We thank you that you have spared us from your judgment and that we are now right with you. We pray that you would help us to so grasp your mercy and love for us that our lives may be truly transformed. Help us to offer our lives to you as a living sacrifice, fulfilling your will instead of our own. Help us to use our gifts to serve and help us to be full of love even for our enemies, even when it hurts. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.